On January 6, 1974, the people of the United States set their clocks ahead one hour for the beginning of daylight savings time. Thus began a trial of year-round daylight savings time that lasted until April 27, 1975. Needless to say, the idea did not catch on. A poll by the Roper Organization found that 79% of those polled believed one or more serious charges against President Richard Nixon, but 45% were opposed to his impeachment versus 44% in favor. Nets was chosen as the name for Cleveland's entry in the new World Team Tennis Association. And on radio station WERE in Cleveland, WWSW in Pittsburgh, and hundreds of others, the CBS Radio Mystery Theater took to the airwaves. Where have you gone, CBS Radio Mystery Theater? Welcome to Where Have You Gone? People, places, and things that are gone but not forgotten, forgotten but not gone, and the people and places saving these stories for your enjoyment and benefit today. I'm Morris Eckhouse. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater began its nine-year run on January 6, 1974, with The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill. It remained on the air until December 7, 1982, and its final episode, The Boatman and the Devil, episode 1399. The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill was written by Henry Slazar and starred the great Agnes Moorhead. Moorhead also appeared in the 21st episode of the series on January 26, 1974. Undoubtedly, she would have appeared in more episodes, but not for her death from uterine cancer on April 30, 1974. The series was the brainchild of Hyman Brown, a legend of the golden age of radio. He produced thousands of shows, but is perhaps best known as the creator of Inner Sanctum Mysteries, 1941 to 1952, with its distinctive creaking door, an effect he brought back with CBS Radio Mystery Theater. E.G. Marshall hosted most of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater episodes. Marshall had a distinguished career in film, television, and on stage from the 1940s to the late 1990s. He was in the 1954 film version of the Kane Mutiny. He was juror number four in the 1957 film version of 12 Angry Men. Also in 1957, Marshall was in Patty Chayefsky's The Bachelor Party. Both of those films included Jack Warden, subject of episode 8 of Where Have You Gone? Marshall won back-to-back Emmys, 1962 and 1963, for his lead role in The Defenders. And immediately before the start of the Mystery Theater, he starred in The Bold Ones, The New Doctors as Dr. David Craig, from 1969 to 1973. When the Mystery Theater came on the air, Marshall spoke about its connection to the start of his acting career, which was in radio in St. Paul in 1932. He said, I think this is going to open up a whole new bag. Radio was the whole source of entertainment for the family, and it's been dormant for years. It's unthinkable that we left radio alone to be a box that just tells us what the weather's like. 
He also said, If this doesn't work for people, then television has rooted out of our conscience the ability to imagine. Numerous stars appeared on the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, including Celeste Holm, Kim Hunter, Zero Mostel, Roy Thinnes, and Richard Widmark. In 1975, the Mystery Theater won a George Foster Peabody Award for its outstanding effort in the field of contemporary radio drama. We hope you are enjoying this episode of Where Have You Gone? For more information about the show, its topics, and its guests, check out our website at whygpodcast.com. There you can also find recommendations for fascinating books, films, TV shows, and recordings to learn even more about our topics, guests, and ideas. You can also find us on Facebook at Where Have You Gone hyphen podcast and on Twitter at WHYG podcast. And now, back to the episode. Hyman Brown was born on July 21, 1910. In the Encyclopedia of American Radio by Ron Lackman, the updated edition published in 2000 with a foreword by Norman Corwin, the entry for High Brown notes that he was the creative genius behind such shows as Inner Sanctum Mysteries, Bulldog Drummond, Grand Central Station, and many others. It says that the Brooklyn-born Brown's radio career began when he was a teenager and sold Gertrude Berg's The Rise of the Goldberg series to NBC. And it notes his valiant attempt to resurrect radio drama on network radio with the Mystery Theater. Hyman Brown was 31 years old when Inner Sanctum Mysteries went on the air in 1941. It was one of radio's most successful shows with its creaking door and its macabre host Raymond who kept listeners from getting too scared with well-placed breaks in the stories. The mix of classic and original stories often included stars like Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, and Claude Rains. It moved around from the NBC Blue Network to CBS to ABC and back to CBS for its final episodes in 1952. In 1941, Robert S. Steffen, the respected radio editor of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, wrote about Brown's work on the radio version of The Thin Man. Steffen wrote, Hyman Brown, producer of Dashiell Hammett's delightful Thin Man series for the radio, succeeds in getting a great deal of the charm these light yarns have in the talkies through the microphone. It has been a difficult task, for Hammett's lines and situations carry much shading and coloring, which lend themselves to a sight medium and which must be put over the airwaves by voice alone. Brown has been fortunate in having Claudia Morgan in the female lead, for her voice reminds not a little of that of Myrna Loy. Les Damon, a capable radio actor, 
has so far done a capable job in the masculine lead, although he is by no means the second William Powell. Brown's technique in rehearsals for this series can be considered as somewhat tempestuous. He believes utterly in informality, and the first two or three read-throughs of a thin man's script closely resemble good-natured riots. Anything is likely to happen at a thin man rehearsal. Taxi drivers, Broadway loafers, even startled businessmen have found themselves dragged into the studio literally by their coattails so that players might study their mannerisms and thereby perfect the authentic two- and three-line characterizations for which author Hammett is famous. Upon one occasion, floodlights were strung up above the cast so the players might have the illusion of working in Madison Square Garden. Out of all this amazing confusion comes the final, smooth, mystery comedy you enjoy at home. Brown claims it's fun, but harder than digging ditches. The death of what many people, like me, call the golden age of radio is often marked as September 30, 1962. On that day, CBS broadcast the last episode in the 13-year run of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, and the final episode in the 20-year run of Suspense. Long gone were the days when radio was the primary source of entertainment in the home. Hyman Brown was 50 years old. If you're interested in radio's golden age of the 1920s into the 1950s, I highly recommend The Great American Broadcast by Leonard Malton. It's readable, entertaining, and informative. Near the end of the book, Malton quotes Brown about the end of the Golden Age. Brown said, The advent of television absolutely destroyed radio drama. Once people began looking and having movies in their own house, it was very hard to get them to turn the set off and just sit down and listen. They lost the ability to listen. Nobody listens anymore. Brown spoke about his efforts to create the Mystery Theater to reporter Barbara Craig for an article titled Radio Plays in the October 17, 1976 issue of the Cleveland newspaper, The Plain Dealer. It says it took Hyman Brown more than 15 years to get his show on the air. In the article, Brown is also quoted as saying, It had nothing to do with nostalgia. I appreciate the fact many people enjoy hearing those old shows. I'm not interested in them, though. I'm interested in today and tomorrow. There's another quote in which Brown talks about radio drama. He says, Radio drama is an important art form. It's part of the theater along with plays, movies, and even television drama. In radio drama, we tell you a story, not show you a story. We can take you anywhere, unhampered by sets, production costs, locations, makeup, costumes, remembering lines, and we can make you believe everything we put on the air. The final broadcast of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater on December 7, 1982, was only a pause in the availability of the show. Before long, it was available on cassette tapes and then on CDs. When MP3 discs became commonplace in the 1990s, it was possible to get numerous shows on a single disc. The old-time radio catalog, 
offers the entire series on a total of 58 MP3 CDs, with 20 to 30 shows per disc. There are also numerous places where the show can be found on the Internet, such as Internet Archive, also known as archive.org. The old-time radio catalog also offers two MP3s, with 50 of the best episodes of the Mystery Theater. These include Phantom of the Opera, Murder Will Out, starring Mason Adams, and Trilby, based on the 1895 novel by George du Maurier. Depending on your source, you may get the story and nothing else. You may get the story and the commercials, a total of 53 minutes. Or you may get an entire 60 minutes, with the news at the top of the hour followed by the story as it was heard at the time of the broadcast. You might get CBS News or a local newscast from a station such as WDAF in Kansas City. If you're looking for a baseball story, listen to episode 1670 from August 2, 1978. The Devil's Brew is a bit in the vein of Damn Yankees, featuring a protagonist named Dusty Lane who disobeys his parents, signs a big league baseball contract, and then must deal with Mr. Conjurman. The story is by Ian Martin, a frequent contributor to the Mystery Theater, with a cast led by Russell Horton, Rosemary Rice, and Leon Janney. If you'd like to start at the end, listen to episode 2952 from December 7, 1982, The Boatman and the Devil, starring Alexander Scorby in his 14th appearance on the Mystery Theater. That was the last original episode. The final episode... 2970 of the original broadcasts was a repeat of Resident Killer on December 31, 1982. It was originally broadcast on October 25, 1982, with Mason Adams leading a cast including Russell Horton and Carol Title, and a script by Sam Dan. Dan wrote over 300 stories for the Mystery Theater. By the end, starting with episode 2731 on February 1, 1982, E.G. Marshall stepped aside as host. In 1982 and 1983, Marshall made a memorable appearance in Creepshow, written by Stephen King, directed by George A. Romero, and billed as the most fun you'll ever have being scared. He played Joseph P. Kennedy in the miniseries Kennedy and he was in three episodes of the TV series Falcon Crest, among other projects. The new host of the Mystery Theater was Tammy Grimes, a two-time Tony Award winner, first for originating the role of Molly Brown in The Unsinkable Molly Brown in 1960, and in the 1970 revival of Noel Coward's Private Lives. She also appeared in 27 episodes of the Mystery Theater, from A Tiny Drop of Poison on May 9, 1974, her first radio acting appearance, to The Great Catherine on July 16, 1982. Tammy Grimes obviously brought a different narration to the Mystery Theater than E.G. Marshall. Some listeners like it, some do not, and some are equally pleased with the narration of Marshall and Grimes. For more information about Where Have You Gone, 
this episode and other episodes in the series, visit our website, whygpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening. In our first episode, Where Have You Gone, Norman Corwin? Neil Verma pointed out that radio dramatists, like Corwin and Hyman Brown, skillfully used a variety of techniques to set the mood. Listen to an episode of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. There's the creaking door. There's the soothing introduction by E.G. Marshall. Come in. Welcome. That also offers some foreboding. There's music. Words. Sound effects. All of them combined offer you a chance to close your eyes, to listen, and to enjoy a good story. When you do that, you're extending a basic art form, storytelling, that's fundamental to every culture. You can add to your listening enjoyment thanks to a book by Gordon Payton and Martin Grahams Jr., the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, an episode guide and handbook to nine years of broadcasting, 1974 to 1982, first published in 1999 by McFarland, provides descriptions of each episode of the series. It also contains a short history of the series and other features. On the dust jacket to the 1998 edition of On the Air, the Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio by John Dunning, the book is described as the definitive encyclopedia of American radio from its beginnings in the 1920s until the early 1960s. Despite that early 1960s cutoff, Dunning devoted an entry to the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. Dunning called the show the most ambitious comeback attempt in radio's over-the-hill history. He says that the show premiered to mixed reviews and concluded that the show's shoestring budget resulted in writing that lacked the quality of the best of radio drama. He does note the show's successes, including the Peabody Award, and its mix of classic and original stories. The classics included works by O. Henry, Mark Twain, and Edgar Allan Poe. Earlier I mentioned the book The Great American Broadcast by Leonard Malton. Malton's book was first published in 1997. Even then, Malton noted audio drama's refusal to die. He pointed out that old radio shows were available on cassette, that there were organizations like SPURDVAC, the Society to Preserve and Encourage Radio Drama, Variety, and Comedy, and CART, California Artist Radio Theater, both still in business today. He pointed out Michael Feldman's What Do You Know on National Public Radio, a throwback to You Bet Your Life with Groucho Marx and other old-time radio quiz shows. What Do You Know is now available as a podcast. Malton noted Norman Corwin's new audio plays for NPR and the BBC's audio interpretation of the original Star Wars trilogy as other examples that the theater of the mind was very much alive. He concluded, None of this will ever make a dent in the impact of the all-pervasive television, but it does provide a stimulating alternative for many people. If you're one of those people, I hope you are sufficiently stimulated to seek out the best audio theater of yesterday and today. 
Back in 1976, when Barbara Craig asked High Brown, what's ahead for radio drama, Brown had a much rosier view of radio than turned out to be the case. Brown envisioned a series of nightly shows called the CBS Playhouse. He envisioned a return of soap operas to radio, as well as Broadway shows. There was one spinoff from the Mystery Theater. It was the General Mills Radio Adventure Theater. Hosted by Tom Bosley, the Adventure Theater went on the air February 5, 1977, with the story Kidnapped by Robert Louis Stevenson. There was a new episode each Saturday and Sunday, 52 episodes in total, up to July 31. General Mills did not renew its sponsorship, but the series continued with repeats of the first 52 episodes as the CBS Radio Adventure Theater until January 29, 1978. Brown said, I knew there was an audience out there just waiting for radio dramas, and that it was a young audience, and that they made the CBS Radio Mystery Theater a smash hit. He said, the young people have adopted our show. That means radio drama is here to stay forever. Television won't drive us out of business this time. That's for sure. It was a beautiful vision. It did not come to pass. It does not seem that Brown forecast the changes to radio that took place at the end of the 20th century and into the 21st century, with its emphasis on talk and sports. Brown lived long enough to see those changes before his death on June 4, 2010, just short of his 100th birthday. And yet at least some of Brown's vision has come to pass, now that creators of content can find an audience without a radio network. Now there's a variety of audio theater, old and new, that's often as close as a good internet connection. That's the end of the first episode of our second season. If you're wondering, where's the rest of the episode? Well, we're doing something different with the second season. The shows will be shorter, with more of a travel theme. You might be saying, where's the travel in the CBS Radio Mystery Theater? Since the COVID pandemic began in 2020, we've all gotten used to any number of virtual activities, including travel. There are many ways to enjoy virtual travel. Some books are written well enough or have enough pictures or maps or other content to be visited just as you might visit a place. In the first episode of Where Have You Gone, we talked about the theater of the mind. Old-time radio is just one example of entertainment that can transport you elsewhere if only you have sufficient imagination. In upcoming episodes, I'll talk about actual travel and virtual travel. I'll talk about books and recordings that can take us to some fascinating places. I'm Morris Eckhouse, host of Where Have You Gone? Our music was composed and performed by Harry Richardson. Our logo was designed by Jeff Santala. The Where Have You Gone podcast is produced by Alan Eckhouse. Where Have You Gone is a production of The Morwen Company.